Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Praise God, and I am excited to bring the Word of the Lord to you today. Um, this is a message that I'm going to share with you today. It's something I've been sitting on for about a month and uh, because I, well, I was planning on preaching it in October. And uh, somebody decided to take over the service, and uh, so I didn't get to do that. And then come, I thought, well, I'll preach it next week. Well, come next week, and the Lord led us in a different direction. And then the next week, He led us in a different direction. And so today, we're coming back, and we're going to share this message. And uh, you know, just a uh, just a brief thing about the uh, about the Pakistan. Uh, deal. This is a, a a Pakistani evangelist that um, uh, we became Facebook friends. I've never actually met him personally. I have uh, I have friends who have, and uh, so I, you know I know it's a legitimate uh, ministry and doing a legitimate work there. But this this is a man that is uh, just doing tremendous, amazing things. In in Pakistan, and he he contacted me um, probably a couple of years ago and asked me to come to Pakistan, which was not something I could do at that time, um, and so I had to decline that. And then one day he he called me, and I was in the middle of something very important and was not able to talk to him. And then uh, he sent me a message and said, "Would you be willing to um, to speak to our staff?" And uh, I said, I would love to do that, except on the date that, uh, uh, that you've given me here, I'm going to be in the Philippines, and I don't know if I'll have an Internet connection. So I had to decline that. And so we've, we've been trying to make a connection. And so uh, uh, yesterday morning he called me, and, uh, or Friday morning he called me, and uh, uh, we spoke on the phone, and uh, he said, uh, we're doing meetings, monthly meetings in some of the villages, and uh, would you be willing to, uh, to come on with us and join our meeting and, uh, on Skype and, uh, and do a, uh, he said, get, bring the word of, of God and just, just minister the word of God, then pray for the sick, uh, give an invitation for salvation, and uh, um, and he said, and we want to, uh, we want to be able to give Bibles to the people that attend the meeting, and and so uh, you know I knew it was something that I had to do, and uh, so 
God says, I would love to do that, and so you guys get to be a part of that, and, and looking forward to it, it'll be like uh, 6 a.m. in the morning here, uh, but uh, uh, 12-hour time difference, so they'll be in the evening there, but uh, looking so forward to that, and you know, I'm excited to bring you a report from what God does in that meeting. In fact, he's already been speaking to me about some some things specific to that, and so uh, very excited about that. But today we're going to dig into the Word of God, and we're going to um, talk about grace. You say, figure that. We talk about grace a lot, in case you didn't know that, but <laughs> um, we're going to talk about the grace of God, and um, my, my title for this morning is, You Know the Grace. And that comes right out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 9. Let's, let's make a confession of faith before we dig into this today. Let's say this together. Say, Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is spirit and life to me. I believe with all my heart that your word, sown in good ground, produces good fruit. Father, I am good ground for your word. I'm a doer of the word not a hearer only, and I am blessed in my deeds. And I rejoice today, Father, because you sent the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to me. So I call on you today, Holy Spirit, to do your work in my life. Reveal truth. I'll receive it. I'll act upon it. I'll be changed by it. And I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Now, I want to... Uh, first point out something there. He says, you know the grace. Now, why did they know the grace? Why did Paul know that the Corinthians knew the grace? Because he had been preaching the gospel of grace. Paul was the one that introduced the world to the gospel of grace. And so as he introduced the world to, to that message, the Corinthians had heard this message from him, and he said, you know the grace. And he says, but here is some elements about the grace of God that you need to be reminded of. How many know that we need to be reminded sometimes? Amen? We need to be reminded of, of what God has said. We need to be reminded of what he has done. We need to be reminded of his grace and what that means to us because we have, how many know we've got supernatural, and I don't mean by supernatural, I mean I don't mean from God, uh, but when I in this context, when I'm saying supernatural, I mean something that is beyond the natural realm. We have supernatural help to forget. The devil wants you to forget. You know, you, you can remember everything else. You know, you can remember your uh, your. Uh, the, the stats of your uh, favorite NFL players, which, which by the way, reminded me, made me think of this. Uh, 
you know, Jason was, was doing the, the, the two. Aren't you glad he didn't have to do the, the, the hook em horns too? <laughs> uh, he's, he's especially thankful for that, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, anyway, um, you know, he says, you know the grace. I want to remind you of the grace. He said, here is the grace of God that though he was rich, now get this, yet for your sakes. Now, when we're talking about grace, grace is always for your sakes. Amen? Do you, do you realize that everything that God has done, he did it for your sakes? Not for his sake, you know. I, I used to hear people pray this, they'd pray, well, for Jesus' sake. No, Jesus did what he did for your sake. Praise God. And everything he has done was for you. You realize, you know, some people think that when they come to church, they come to church for Jesus. You don't come to church for Jesus. You come to church for you. If you come to church for Jesus, you're going to be disappointed. That's why a lot of people don't get anything out of church because they, they think, well, I'm just going for Jesus' sake. I'm just going for, for, you know, because he gets something out of it and he's somehow appeased if I'm at church. But in reality, you come to church for you. Praise God. Because it is you that needs to get something at church. Praise God. You know, you, well, I, I've been serving the Lord, and what they mean by that is I've been going to church. But do you realize going to church is not serving the Lord? You might serve the Lord while you are at church, but just the, the act of going to church is not serving the Lord. You know, uh, in fact, when you come to church and you hear the word of the Lord, he is actually serving you. Do you, you see that? When, when he brings a word to your life that changes and transforms your life, and, and, and by the way, the word of God is supposed to change your life. Praise God. And so when, when you come to church and you hear the word of the Lord and your life is changed by it, he is serving you. Praise God. And so he says, for your sakes, he became poor. That you, through his poverty, might become rich. Praise God. So whatever he did, he did it for your sake. Whatever he gave up, he gave it up for you so you could have what he gave up. Praise God. Isn't that an amazing thing to think about? Paul says, you know the grace. He says, here, I want to remind you of what grace is all about, what he did for you in service to you. He came not to be served, but to serve. Praise God. And to give his life a ransom for many. Praise God. Praise God. Now, once you get this, Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5, says, Let this mind 
be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And what he's saying is, I want you to think this is how Jesus thought. Now, as a follower of Jesus, let his mind think through you. Praise God. Let his mind think through you. In other words, think the same way he thought. Praise God. Or he thinks, I should say. Think the same way he thinks. Praise God. And that's really where we're going with this message is thinking the way he thinks because his mind is in you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. In other words, Jesus, you know, I ask people, well, who's Jesus? Well, he's the Son of God, okay? But here's what we need to understand. He's not just the Son of God. He is God, the Word. Now, I hear uh, one of my, my pet peeves is to hear Christians talk about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Say, so, well, why does that bother you? Well, here's the thing. When I say God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, I am implying that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are not God. Unless we understand who He is, He is God, the Word. In fact, He did not become Jesus until 2,000 years ago when He was born in Bethlehem and given the name Jesus. That's where He got that name. That's why you don't see Jesus in the Old Testament because he wasn't called Jesus then. God, the Word. And the Word became flesh in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. He was born there and given the name Jesus. Praise God. And so, now he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God. In other words, he was God. And how many know that in heaven, things are pretty awesome? Anybody, you've heard enough about heaven to know that things in heaven are pretty awesome. So he had it made. He's in heaven. He's got it made. He's living the good life in heaven. But for your sakes, he became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the grace of God. Praise God. Being in the form of God, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Why? He's God. He's God the Word. But... In verse number 7, it says, He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. Remember I said he's 
serving you. He came to this earth to serve you. And coming in the likeness of men, he became flesh. He took flesh upon himself, and he came in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So this is what he did, and he did it for your sakes, because that's how he thinks. Praise God. He did it for your sakes. Now, get this. Verse number 5, here he says, let this mind, I'm going to read this all the way through here so you get the continuity of it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, notice how he starts off that passage right there, verse number five, let this mind be in you. He said, this is how you need to think. When you let this mind be in you, this is how you need to think. Now, you say, well, I, I, you know, I try to think that way. Well, I've got good news for you. I can help you. Praise God. We're, we're going to help this morning. That's what we're here for. We're not, we're not here to condemn you because you're struggling with this idea, because, you, you know, you have a hard time with this. Because No, we're here to help. That, that's what we do. We're here to help you. Praise God. Now, there is a story, and I, I need to relate this story to you, and... Um, you know, I've. Um, it's found in Matthew chapter twenty-five, and, and uh, in, in Matthew chapter twenty-five, I'm not going to read this story because it's kind of it, it takes a long time, and I'm, I'm going to try to sh shoot through this quicker so I can cover more material, right? Okay, so you can read Matthew chapter twenty-five on your own, verses fourteen through thirty, to be more specific. Um. And in this, we find that Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like a man that's traveling to a far country, okay? And he calls his servants to him, and he's got these three servants, and he, he's going to be gone for a while, so he divvies up his goods to his servants, and... and uh, he gave them an allotment of money. There was one of the servants that he gave him five talents. Talents is a is a uh, is a monetary uh, denomination that was used in that day and that time. So he gave his one servant five talents. He gave to another two talents, and he gave to another one talent. Then he leaves on his journey. And 
while he's gone, he gave them to them according to their abilities. So he knew these servants, and he knew what they were capable of. He knew their, their individual abilities. And so while he is gone, the guy he gave five talents to, he goes out, and he takes that, that five talents, and he invests it and earns five more talents. The one that he gave two talents to, he has the same idea. And he takes the two talents and he goes out and he invests those two talents and he earns back two more talents. And then the guy that he gave one talent to, he went and dug a hole in the ground and buried the talent. And so when the master returns back home from his journey, he calls his servants to him, to himself, and he says, so uh, what you guys been doing while I was gone? Well, the guy that had been given the five talents, he brings ten talents now, and he gives them back to the master. And he says, I, I earned uh, five more talents, so here's ten talents. The guy that had the two talents, he brings his master four talents. The guy that had one talent, he went and dug, a, dug back up the one that he had buried, and he comes and brings, he says, here, you know, I knew you're a hard man, and you're just trying to make money off me. So here, you have back what's yours. And the master was angry. He took the talents that the other, uh, he took the one talent and he took the four talents, or excuse me, he took the, the, uh, the one talent and he gave it to the guy that had ten, the guy that had brought him back ten, and, and he gave it to him. And the, the idea is, I, I never thought of this, but I, I, I heard someone make this statement not long ago, and I, I started reading that story, and I thought, you know, he's right. Here. But what he said is that the master, he never told them what to do with the talents. He just gave them to him and left. He didn't tell them what to do with the talents. He didn't tell them go invest the talents, go invest it and make more. He, he didn't say anything about that, but yet he judged the one who buried the talent harshly. Now, you say, well, why did he do that? Because here's what we need to understand. You know, some people, the Apostle Paul, as we started out, we said, you know the grace. This is what grace is all about. Grace is that God moves on the inside of you. You then have, because you have his spirit and his life in you, you now have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Think the way he thinks. Praise God. So here's the deal. When I receive Jesus as my Savior, I receive the grace of God. I am saved by grace. And because I am saved by grace, it's not anything that I did, but now He is in me. I have been joined to the Lord, and now He begins to live His life through me. So the guy who had received five talents, he didn't go 
invested and make five more talents because that's what he was ordered to do. He did it because he did. That's the way his mind was thinking. He had this mind, you see. Jesus, though he was in heaven, he says, I can make an investment into earth. The Bible says, calls him the firstborn among many brethren, the firstborn from the dead. When Jesus rose from the dead, you see, here's the thing. I, I preached a sermon called The Devil's Recurring Nightmare, and, and, and the, the, the premise of the whole sermon was this, that, you know, Jesus is walking this earth, and he is healing people. He's doing miracles. He's raising the dead. He's, he's casting out demons. He's doing all of these kinds of things. And then, you know, he's, he's teaching the people. He says, now I'm going to the cross. And, uh, he, and then after he rose again from the dead, he says, now you guys go do what I've been showing you how to do. You guys go do what I've been doing. And so he says, you know, because the Holy Spirit comes, he'll move on the inside of you. And the same Holy Spirit that empowered me to do all these wonderful things, he'll now empower you. And you can go lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You can go cast out devils. You can, you know, do all of these wonderful things. Uh, and uh, because Holy Spirit is now in you and upon you and empowering you. So here's the deal. The devil's recurring nightmare is this. He was pretty upset that Jesus was walking on this earth and Jesus was casting out devils and healing the sick and raising the dead and opening blind eyes and all these kinds of things. And, and, and the, that, that bothered the devil a lot. So he's thinking, okay, let's get rid of Jesus. Let's take him and nail him on the cross. And the, the thing is, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us that the reason he did that is because he didn't know what was going to happen when he did that. So that had the rulers of the darkness of this age known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And so uh, the devil wouldn't have even done that if he had known what, what the result of that was going to be. But Jesus is nailed to a cross, and he dies on that cross, and the devil is breathing a sigh of relief thinking, got rid of that one, got rid of him. Finally, at last, got rid of him. Lo and behold, three days later, he comes walking out of the grave. He goes and shows himself, the Bible says, to 500 people after he rose from the dead. Shows himself to 500 people. Then... Some days later, he takes his disciples out up on the mountain, and he says, uh, he says, guys, here's what I want you to do. He says, I'm getting ready to go back to heaven. I'm going away. He said, but while I'm gone, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into Jerusalem and wait there until you be endued with power from on high. And then I want you to go out and do the things you've been seeing me do. I want you to go out and perform the works that I've been doing. He says, I'm going to be gone a while, but I'm coming back. You know, but you guys go do what I've been doing. So here's, 
And, and on the day of Pentecost, they were all in one place in one accord in the upper room. And on the day of Pentecost, a sound was heard from heaven as the sound of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues of fire that sat upon each one of them, and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were empowered that day, and people thought they were drunk with new wine. And so Peter stands up, and he begins to preach. And as he begins to preach, that day... 3,000 were added to the church. 3,000 souls were saved that day. And so here the devil, he's got a problem with this one guy, Jesus. So he nails him on the cross thinking that he's going to be done with him. And he, he, he dies. He descends into the lower parts of the earth, you know, and, and, and all that, and he's thinking, got rid of him. Fifty days later, there's 3,000 of them. Why? Because he's the firstborn among many brethren. Now, how many of you, your brethren, your sisters, you know, your siblings, are the same species of being that you are. I know maybe, you know, maybe your parents had a puppy and they call him your, your little brother or something like that, but he wasn't, you know. Your real-life siblings are the same species that you are, the same kind of being that you are. And so Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, the firstborn among many brethren. The Apostle John said this. He said, he came to his own. His own didn't receive him. He said, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Have you received him? Anybody? Okay, it's all right to talk back. Okay. I know your mama told you not to talk back, but this is not that this is not what she meant. It's okay to talk back right now. All right. So have you received him? If you have received him to them who received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. Praise God. So, 50 days after Jesus comes back from the dead, the devil is thinking, oh, no, he's back. But his, his nightmare was only beginning because 50 days later, now there's not one. There's 3,000 just like him. There's 3,000 that are sent to do the works, and every day since then there has been more and more and more added to the church. Praise God. Praise God. You know, I, and I remember, uh, you know, 
hearing about the, the mass crusades. Uh, I remember hearing the stories of Reinhard Bunke in Africa, um, in Lagos, Africa. Uh, at one meeting, he had 1.2 million people born again in that meeting. Don't you think the devil was a little upset about that? Praise God. 1.2 million in one day. Every day since then, his nightmare has been recurring over and over and over and over and over again. Now, Jesus had this mentality. Jesus says, I'm going to sow myself into the earth. And I'm going to get a whole bunch of brethren back as a result of sowing myself into the earth. Praise God. Now, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Now, here's the deal. The servant that got five talents, the master didn't tell him, go multiply that, go invest that. He didn't tell the guy with two talents to go invest that. They did it because it was their mentality to do that. Now, for those who think that a relationship with God is all about keeping some rules, I've got good news for you. That's not what it's about. God wanted to have a relationship with you. Should you live right? Absolutely. You know, the things in the, see, some people think that grace is all about, oh, good, now I can get away with sin. You don't, if that's the way you're thinking, you don't understand grace at all. Because that's not the point of grace. You see, the whole point of grace is you have freely received, and now because the life of God is on the inside of you, the life of Jesus is in you, have this same mind which was in Christ Jesus, he now starts to think through you. He thought... I'll go to the earth, I'll plant myself in the earth, I'll die on a cross, I'll rise again from the dead, and I'll have many brethren. He didn't do that, or, or he did that because that's the way he thinks. Why do we live right under grace? Not because there's a rule that says you have to do this, you have to do that. Not because of the rules. We live right because we have this mind, which was in Christ Jesus. Now, did Jesus, did, you know, in, in his life on earth, that's another thing I hate to hear Christians say is when Jesus was alive. He's alive. Okay, so we don't need to talk about when Jesus was alive. He's alive. All right, so 
when Jesus was on this earth, in his life on earth. I want to be very clear about that. He's alive, but he's not on earth in flesh and blood any longer. He's now on earth in you. Praise God. But in his time here on earth, you know, this was the mind that was in him. Jesus, he never wanted to break the Ten Commandments. Right? Did Jesus want to bear false witness? Nope. Why? Because Jesus didn't want to bear false witness because he is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus didn't want to steal. Why would Jesus need to steal when all that the Father had was his? Why would he want to steal? See, why would we want to steal? Because we don't believe that what the Father has is ours. If we're breaking the Ten Commandments, somewhere along the line, there is a wrong belief that we need to correct. We need to let the mind be in us, which was in Christ Jesus. He never wanted to do you wrong. He never wanted to, uh, you know, to, to break any of the commandments because that's not how his mind worked. And he says that because Jesus came to this earth, now you can have the mind of Christ Jesus in you. If you're struggling today with sin in your life, if you're struggling, you know, I've been trying to overcome this, I've been trying to win this battle with this, with that, you know, I've been trying, you know, renew your mind. Some people think that's all I know is renew your mind because every time people come to me with, you know, I'm struggling with this, struggling with that, renew your mind. You know, that's what I tell them. You need to, you know, here's, you, you need to, you need to believe in this grace. You need to believe in the goodness of God. You need to believe, praise God, upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, is when he has come, he said this in John's gospel. He talks in, in verses or chapters 14 through 16, he talks about a lot of things about when Holy Spirit would come. And in there he says this. He says, that when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Now, the word convict could also be translated as convince. He says, when he comes, he will convince the world of sin. And he explains, he says, of sin because they do not believe upon me or do not believe in me. He says, of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So here's what he's saying. When Holy Spirit has come, see, we've been taught to think that that, you know, that, that the Holy Spirit comes and 
you know, he convicts us of our sin. And what we mean by that is that we think Holy Spirit comes and he makes me feel bad about my sins. That's what conviction is in our mind, is that he makes us feel bad about our sins. Well, you shouldn't have done that, you know. And he is that little gnawing voice that just, you know, just irritates you because, you you know, you sinned and so he's not going to let you forget it. He's going to convict you. He's going to bug you about it. But they've mischaracterized Holy Spirit. It says he will convince the world of sin because they do not believe upon me. Here is the deal. The reason we sin is because there is a wrong belief. The reason that we sin is because we have not been convinced of the next thing that he says, of righteousness. You have not been fully convinced. You, you probably know it up here. Oh, yes, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You know it up here. You can quote the scripture. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for me that I could become the righteousness of God in Christ. And you know it up here. But you need to get it from up here down to in here, praise God, so it begins to change your life. You see, grace, you know the grace. Grace is not about the rules and keeping the rules. In fact, grace should change your life effortlessly. Now, where the effort comes in is you're going to have to put forth the effort to, to learn the grace. You're going to have to put forth the effort, you know, to, uh, as Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself approved. You, that's where the effort comes in to learn and to know the grace. But when you know the grace, then the grace changes your life effortlessly. You don't have to try to change. When you know the grace, the grace begins to change you automatically from the inside. Praise God. They, the reason they sin is they don't believe upon me. And if they believed upon me, then they would be convinced. If they believed upon me, not just to believe that Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross, but to understand, to believe why he came to this earth and died upon a cross, why, and, and, and what was the effect that came as a result of Jesus coming to this earth and dying on the cross. What was the result of that? The result of that is now I have the mind of Christ on the inside of me. And as I'm thinking with his mind, just as there was no desire in him for sin, his mind thinking through me, there will be no desire for sin. There's no appetite for it. And if you're struggling with an appetite, a desire for sin is because you don't truly believe what he came to do, which was to move on the inside of you and think and live through you. So you need to go back and you need to 
know the grace of our Lord. This is what grace is truly about. Grace is not about that there are no more rules so you can just do anything you want. That's not what grace is about. Grace is about Jesus in you. I mean, that's, that's the essence of it. Jesus in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Praise God. Christ in you, as he begins to think through you, you begin to change without even realizing it. And maybe you've been struggling for years and years, and you keep trying to do better and trying to do better, trying to do better. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Begin to grasp. Begin to understand what he came to do and what was the effect of it on you. The Holy Spirit has come to convince you of the sin of unbelief. But also to convince you so you will begin to believe you are righteous. How, how does this work? Well, if I believe I'm righteous, do righteous people? I mean, it, 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 is it the nature, is it the character of righteous people to steal, kill, bear false witness, commit adultery, is that the character of righteous people? No, that's not the character of righteous people. You're righteous. You'll do, you'll, you'll act out what you believe you are. If you believe that you're nothing but a nasty sinner, you'll act like a nasty sinner. If you believe you're a pig, you'll wallow in the mud. If you believe you're righteous, you'll behave righteously. And if your behavior isn't, it's, see, we've got it, we have so many things backwards in the church. We thought that we would become righteous by not doing this and not doing that and, and doing this and doing, you know, by keeping all these rules, we thought we would become righteous by doing that. No, we've got it completely backwards. When we're convinced we're righteous, then it will change the behavior, not the other way around. See, it's not our behavior that makes us righteous. It's our righteousness that changes our behavior. Praise God. We don't go to the doctor because we're well. We go to the doctor because we need some help. Praise God. We come to Jesus. He fills us up with his Holy Spirit because we need some help. And Holy Spirit begins to work through us. 
And he begins to change just like the medicine begins to change things in your body in the same way the Jesus in you begins to change things in your mind. Praise God. And you begin to think like he thinks and you'll find that the unrighteous behavior begins to fall off and you lose your appetite for it. Praise God. Praise God. You see, being a Christian shouldn't be a struggle. Being a Christian should be just letting Jesus live through you. Praise God. Praise God. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching me online. And you're struggling in your life. And you say, you know, I've got, I've got bad habits. I've got things that, you know, uh, I shouldn't be doing. And I've, I've been trying to do better, but I do better for a while, and then I mess up again. And, and, and you know, it's just it's really a struggle. It's really hard for me. That's precisely why Jesus wants to move in. Because when Jesus moves in and he starts living through you, maybe, maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you're, you're already a believer. And, you know, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life and you're sure you're going to heaven or you, you think you're going to heaven and you're hopeful that you'll go to heaven. But you're struggling with things and you're thinking, well, I don't know if I could actually get in. Uh, you know, if I were to die today, I don't know. If he, I, I, Yeah, I've, I've been saved, but I don't know if I could actually get into heaven because I haven't actually been living like I should. But let me tell you this. Jesus moved in and he didn't move out. I'll say that again. You need to get that. Somebody thinks Jesus moved out. No. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He said that the, he and the Father, they would come and they would abide. They would make their home in us. He said he would send the Holy Spirit and he would abide with you forever. I see nothing in the scripture about him moving out. He said he would move in, but he never said he would move out. So I want to give you that assurance today. If he is in there, allow yourself. Do you know he can't convince you of anything you refuse to be convinced of? Don't let religious voices, don't let the, you know, the judgmental people around you tell you that Jesus moved out. He didn't. He's still in there. Nowhere in the Bible you're going to find that he moved out. If you're struggling with that today, 
just just lift your hand right where you're at, whether you're at home or in your car or what, wherever you might be. Just just lift your hand and just say this with me: Thank you, Jesus, that when you came in, you came in to stay, and you have not moved out. Lord Jesus, I haven't been conscious of the Christ in me. But today, something's been stirred up on the inside, and I realize you're a keeper of your word. When you said you would never leave me or forsake me, you have never left me or forsake me. I believe that. Lord Jesus, I stir that up once again on the inside of me. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that you made me righteous. And I'm convinced that I'm still righteous because of my relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to pray this with me. When you do, According to God's word, he's going to move in you. He's going to move on the inside of you. And he will begin to transform and change. You don't need to change first. He will begin to change you. He will begin to transform your life. So if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, you've never... You've never chosen Jesus for your to trust Him for your salvation. Pray this with me. And if you mean what you're saying, if you don't mean it, nothing's going to happen. But if you mean this, He's going to move in you. Praise God. And you will be saved. Say this with me. The God in heaven. Everybody pray this with me, please. Say, God in heaven, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, that he paid for my sins, all of them in full, and then he rose again from the dead so I could have new life. Today, Right now, I choose Jesus. I choose to trust Jesus for my salvation. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love 